turn up your radio, it's time for DeLorean Talk with your host, Dave Tavers. Hi, and welcome to another episode of DeLorean Talk. My name is Dave Tavers, VIN 10515, currently in Las Vegas, Nevada. Today's guest is someone that you might have seen around on social media more recently. His name is Brandon Fayette. He's from Los Angeles, California, currently a visual effects supervisor on the Orville television show, and he used to work for Bad Robot, which is another cool company that's done a lot of content. Brandon bought his DeLorean in March of 2019. It's a 1981. It's VIN 06895. Lives in Los Angeles with his wife, and... For the last many months, I have seen that Brandon has done a bunch of 3D models of parts for the DeLorean, and that's what kind of sparked me to to ask him to be on the show. So, Brandon, thanks for everything you do for the community, and thanks for joining me on the show today. Actually, originally from New Orleans. I've only been in Los Angeles for the past 16 years. <laughs> only for the last 16 years. So I guess I, it's it's not enough to switch myself to being from Los Angeles. I think I have to like live there longer than I've lived in the prior place, but <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, to be on this. I uh, quite enjoy the other episodes that you do, so it's my honor to be a guest. <laughs> I've been extremely busy lately, and a lot of people have been busier than normal, so it's nice to get people that commit the time to doing it. It's always fun to talk about DeLorean stuff, and I'm thankful that I, I can do this. Oh, yeah. I appreciate when, when people are willing to come on and share their experience and tell their story and talk about the stuff that they're doing for the community. Why did you want a DeLorean in the first place? Well, I'm one of the back to the future kids. So kind of grew up, you know, watching the film and loving it. It was interesting because, you know, I actually early on realized that the car was a real, a real car, not a prop built for the film. Right. So doing the research, I actually kind of fell in love with the original design of the vehicle outside of the DeLorean time machine modifications. I was really kind of enjoying the overall look of the designs that have been put into it, you know, that John and everybody kind of fostered when he left and started his own small venture that ended up giving us 9,000 cars, but it was fun. Were you a car guy growing up in general? Uh, Yeah, I was. My uh, uncle was the head of the Corvette club in new orleans and my uh father was kind of like used to ride motorcycles and we had a bunch of different vehicles and it was funny i learned to drive stick simultaneously on an 87 accord and on a uh, 73 454 supercharged vet (laughs) and my dad would be like wow you're getting really good and i didn't you know tell him that <laughs> my uncle was teaching me how to drive stick on the side and he said you burn up my clutch you're buying me a new one right yeah <laughs> so yeah you know it, it was interesting cuz i have family that are doctors police officers and so forth but with the situation involving the delorean i kind of loved that car and i'd seen one on the road when i was a kid it was probably one stray new orleans delorean delorean that was floating through and i just was enthralled Cut to now, I've been looking actually for 10 years for a DeLorean, very specific needs that I wanted to kind of have. You have a checklist and you know what you want and you're not willing to go outside of that. And I actually got, I think I've said this before, I had been looking for about five years and I literally had gotten to the point where 
I had given up a month earlier because the prices were getting too high for exactly what I wanted. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to own a DeLorean. So I started looking for the, the blue Volkswagen bus because I thought that would <laughs> be a fun alternative that should be less expensive. Turns out they're not, but I had given up basically. And then 10515 popped up on Craigslist and I got it. But uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd been looking for five years as well. So you were looking for 10 years, like you were ready to years. buy and yeah, you were just for looking for the years. right one. I was looking for the right one. And I actually, a couple of year, a couple of years ago, actually got scammed out of one and ended up having to do a whole police no. Yeah, someone had misadvertised one, and tell that story. I have not heard that yet from anybody. <laughs> so I was looking, and I I found a Craigslist ad. You know, went through the bits, and there was this company that uh, had acquired an '82, which wasn't exactly what I wanted. I wanted an '81, but it was it fit all the other specifications. So my specifications were extremely low mileage. You know, something beneath. 8,000 miles. Okay. Uh, cosmetic condition flawless. No dents, scratches, dings, anything wrong with the body. No mm-hmm. rust on the frame. And uh, perfect interior. Basically, okay. I wanted something that looked like it came right off of the showroom floor right. from the factory, and which were... is extremely hard to find. I knew that I would be changing fluid lines, hoses, you know. Sure. Any old car. Any old car part that would be near failing would be near failing. But I wanted all original everything else, including seat covers. And I actually ended up finding that with this latter car but the prior car there's an 82 that kind of fit everything it was uh i had photos of the vin number i had research on the vin number i tracked down the uh the used car company that was selling it and it turns out they were a uh, a scam wow posted about it i went through the whole process started setting up kind of the payment for it and where were they located and where were you they were located supposedly in tennessee i was uh in la uh-huh and, you know, I vetted it. I vetted the VIN number. It was a real car. Right. Had photos of it, saw photos, had them give me additional photos. And it turns out the company was actually a false car company. It wow. had about 17,000 cars that they had for commission of different vintages right. from newer cars to older cars. The website was fully run out. They had live chat. They had everything wow. that they went through. And they posted on Craigslist. They posted on eBay. They posted a lot of places. So as far as you could tell, totally legitimate and real. Right. Okay. And as soon as I sent the original portion of the first part of the payment, yeah, the website went offline. <laughs> and then I tracked it all. I actually have all the documentation still of everything that happened. Track down, you know, where their bank accounts were. It was a place in New York that they were forwarding to. Yeah. But then the website was bouncing between New York and Russia, and oh. a couple other places. And it was just a whole, essentially, a scam that the. From what I found out from the officers that I worked with, it's a scam where they set up a full website. They basically grab one person, yep, scam the money, shut everything down, change domains, change the site and the the site name, and repost a new website somewhere right. else. Yep. And it was down to the point where I was actually doing research on forums to see if they were a real website. They had forum posts about people who had bought cars from them, and, you know, a couple different auto forums. Yeah. So it was. It was a pretty well-engineered scheme, and I fell for it. So I was like, okay, well, Can I that's ask, the way it is. How much money did you send in that first, first payment? Five grand. Okay. And do you, remember, so, do you remember what the total cost of that car was? Uh, 29. 29. And, and what? how long ago was this? About five years ago. Okay, five years ago. 
or two, two or five. I can't remember. Well, and I mean, five years ago, I could see a DeLorean, especially in that condition for 29 sounds about right for five years ago. Right. So that kind of burned me. I waited a bit and then I saw this one on eBay. Sorry. Did you get your money back? No, I didn't. Oh no, Uh, you lost the five grand. I lost it completely. Yeah. I managed to try to pull some of it back and they had cleaned it out before they did. Wow. I have an outstanding cases from both New York and uh, LA. Wow. Cause you have, because the bank that they were using was in New York, you have to file with the local yeah. police department. Yep. So, you know, it was, it was a pretty well involved scheme scam. Yeah. Yeah. That, Oh, I'm so sorry. That's, that's okay. Being that you are a visual effects supervisor, you do digital work, you're 3D printing stuff, you are a computer geek, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm pretty you, savvy at it, so yeah. it's hard to pull the wool, if you will, but it goes to show you that anybody can be kind of fooled. And that's my point, you know? is I'm the same way, and I've you know I've luckily have caught a couple of scams, not for DeLoreans, but other things, just simply because I'm a geek and I can recognize things, but we're unique, you know, generally in the world, that... Most people would fall for this stuff that's not even done that well. So for you to get taken and taken that way, thank goodness it was only for five thousand. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. It was not. It was not my happy place. I'll put you put it that way. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's a great story. I've only been around about five years myself, but I've heard very few stories like that of scams. I mean, we've all seen the the cars posted on online that are. They don't exist, or they're using somebody else's VIN number. Those posts get taken down pretty quick. I can't think of hearing of anybody who has sent money for buying a DeLorean and had the company disappear. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. So that soured me for a little bit, but you know, I just kind of kept my eye out. We were finishing. Um, we'd finished the second season of Orville a little bit over a year ago when I found this car in Seattle. And track the history. The car was a Michigan car. It sat for about 35 years, evidently, <laughs> in and out of uh, some collector's garage from the original owner. And uh looked like it had been somebody had taken care of it. Like they didn't let fluid sit in the lines. It looked like they started the car. Everything was clean. Still had the original angle drive, things like that. <laughs> nice. So you knew that the mileage was at least hopefully correctly and the yeah. car had 6,700 miles on it was a November 81 uh, that was 68.95 the one I have uh, original seats no cracks no tears original dash no cracks binnacle was in perfect condition cosmetically pretty clean so talked to the guy in Seattle he'd only had it for about seven months and uh, he went ahead and he sent some photos for me and I'm like okay well he wanted 37 for it and I talked him down to 35. He mind last year, that's not a bad price for a car in that condition. You know, he had done a little bit of work, I guess, at DeLorean Northwest on it, just on the coolant system and things of that sort. Yeah. So it had some stuff, that, some modernization started. I got, I went up there with Cindy and we were like, okay, got a money order or a cashier's check rather. I'm going to bring it with me. You know, we have the same bank, so it should be okay. Fly up there and I'm very, at this point, aware that if something's a scam, at right. least we're, we're, we're in Seattle, we'll treat it like a little road trip, and we'll just rent a car and go down, yeah. drive back to the coast. Right. So ended up going there. It was real. Everything was good. Got the title transfer done. Title was clean. Everything was clean. And was in the car. And we spent the night in uh, Seattle. 
So you're another one of these people that flew someplace, bought a DeLorean, and then drove it back home. Well, yeah, so I drove it 1,800 <laughs> miles down the coast. The only issue we ran into was uh, two issues. One was when we were starting to drive, the passenger uh, side floor started to get wet. And we found out that it still had the original AC, still had the original heater core. I ultimately found out that someone had cut the hose that was with the drainage hose that takes the you know the overflow from the ac yeah and sends it outside of the body of the car yeah and it plugged it with silicone <laughs> so someone had worked on the car and didn't realize what that open hose was oh, and geez. thought it was a leak so they traced it and plugged it <laughs> so if we ran the ac and it was it was 85 degrees and we're driving down the coast if we ran the ac too long it would overflow into the passenger side and make it wet <laughs> And so we ended up having to turn the AC off for the entire road trip for three oh, days boy. we took and had the little, you know, those little windows. And that was, this is the beginnings of, okay, Brandon's going to start changing things on the DeLorean. <laughs> and the only other thing that happened was we took it to a winery, almost Olivos. We drove it down the PCH. It was great. How, how better to get used to yeah. driving the car than driving it three days straight for 1,800 miles? I found out I have the stiffest clutch out of all DeLoreans ever made on planet Earth because I've <laughs> now sat in enough DeLoreans and seen everybody else's clutch and realized that my clutch for some reason is just like pushing down a five pound brick. But I'm not replacing the master cylinder. And it's all it all works. It's all yeah. I got a brand new slave cylinder. It's just for some reason the master cylinder on my clutch is very, very tight. <laughs> so eventually I will replace it. But I've put nine thousand miles on the car since I purchased it. I drive it every day. What was the mileage you said when you bought it? 6,700. Nice. Pretty low. Oh, no. I haven't put 9,000. I've put 7,500 on it. So I drove it, and we were about 40 miles away from Huntington Beach DeLorean, and the angle drive popped. Oh, no. <laughs> and I saw the speedometer Think go down. Down to zero. Yeah. Or and bounce. I was like, what? Oh, it went straight down to zero. And then the, the binnacle started rattling, and I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? <laughs> And that was like the only thing that broke on it. So I took it to Danny and they went ahead and replaced the fuel lines, uh, replaced the angle drive. If I would have known it was an original angle drive, I would have asked to keep it. But right. anyway, since then, I don't even use an angle drive anymore. Oh, wow. I use a GPS. That was my story. So that's how I got the car after being burned on one and then taking a giant road trip to get used to it. Uh, for West Coast people, they're... It's still a long drive, but at least, you know, Seattle to San Diego is really not that far. It's an easy flight, and it's not that far away. So when you went up to Seattle, had had you known anybody in the community prior? Like, when you bought the car, did you connect with the Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club at all? Well, before I had gotten the car, I posted that I was getting this car. What would I want to bring up? And so I brought a couple, like, fuses and things of that sort just in case. Uh, and I think Chris Miles might have been the first person to reach out to me nice. to say, hey, if you're coming through Fresno, come say hi. And we ended up going to PCH because I didn't want to risk taking the grapevine on a car I'd never driven that was very old at Incline <laughs> right. and having it be. Uh, Not to mention 99 is, is far less populated than even the 5. Oh, yeah. So I picked the car up and drove it back to L.A. and then ended up working for a bit. But then I realized that there's not really much of a Los Angeles owners community. It's mostly the Orange, Orange County guys. Right. Well, let me, so, let's me let go back for just a second. Um, sure. What a fun experience because all DeLorean owners know that 
basically, if it's if you're in a populated area and it's two o'clock in the afternoon and you get gas, someone's going to come talk to you. So your <laughs> very first experience, you pick up the car from what city did you buy it from in Seattle? It wasn't in Seattle, was it? In Seattle, like oh, wow. in the city with the giant crazy oh. hills and upward incline. <laughs> that's that's unusual. I lived up in Seattle for many years. So actually in Seattle proper. In, in Seattle. So you buy it, you start driving it south. We all think, I'm assuming that you were like me and like most DeLorean owners who were fans forever, we think we know everything about the car, and then we get the car and find out that we really know nothing. Or at least that's <laughs> the way I felt. So you drive the car for the very first time. What was that experience? Because I'm assuming that your first hour on the road, you had people honking and thumbs up on the freeway and everything else. That drive back to L.A. from Seattle, what experiences did you have with the public seeing the car? Well, well, funny story. It was the second DeLorean I'd ever driven. The first one I'd driven was an automatic, which was the one used in A Million Ways to Die in the West. McFarland's right. It was a terrible, slow experience. I love you guys who have your automatic DeLorean, but I <laughs> much prefer the pickup and go of the stick shift. Sure. So, yeah, the first thing was we had to put gas in it because my rule was I was going to stop no matter what at a half a tank at every gas station and never let it go below a half a tank just in case the fuel sender yep. is giving me the wrong information. Right. So we stopped a lot for gas. And the first time actually – terrified cindy because this guy just ran up to the car on the passenger <laughs> side and she screamed and like put his face in there and he said he was a firefighter and he used to own one that started it so she she hates the attention the car gets and i i, I honestly i i would notice people watching and doing the thumbs up yep but i was more concerned like my left leg is on fire i need to stop the funniest story i can give you is so i pulled the delorean into the garage and I go and take my other car, which is an Audi, to drive. And the clutch is so light on that. And I was so used to pushing so hard on the DeLorean that I was bucking and stalling this other car after three days of, of driving. And it was like literally like someone learning to drive stick in a modern car. And I get in the DeLorean. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. <laughs> That's funny. So it was like four days of just like resting after that road trip. It's not that Popeye arm that everybody jokes about driving the uh, – Without power steering, it was the my left leg is probably like Popeye's arm at this point. <laughs> like I think most new DeLorean owners, you you drive it a lot more when you first get it because you're so excited. And I'm an aggressive driver, but I'm not a rude driver. However, I was paranoid about people getting too close. The car is really low; people don't see it. So I used the horn a fair amount when I first got the car because I, I didn't know you know I didn't know how to make sure I had a good buffer zone with the car. Well, I, what I found was shortly, I don't know, within a month of spending almost every day driving the car, then I went back to my Jetta, and I try hitting the horn, and I'm turning on the, the turn signal instead of the, – <laughs> because I'm so used to hitting that, you know, the side the side horn there, and it just cracked yeah. me up. It, it probably took me a year to get over that, is I couldn't remember which car I was in. I'd go to hit the horn, and I'd do it wrong <laughs> for the car, so – Oh, man. Yeah, my problem is that the, only the high-pitched note worked when I first got the car driving down the coast. So you'd be like, you'd push the, you'd push the stock and it go, and you're like, oh, man. So now I have both of the horns are replaced, so it sees it. I, I think, honestly, the best upgrade for that, for anyone who's listening to this, is to get LED headlights. And then if you go with your with your headlights on when you're on the highways, 
even SUVs will see you because those LED bulbs are so bright and they're just nice angle that most people will see yeah. a DeLorean on the highway. Because the problem is not the height of the DeLorean, I think. I think it's the fact that because we're stainless steel, at certain times a day, we blend in with the highway. Right. It's not a mirror, but it, it does enough yeah. reflection of the surroundings that it, yeah, it kind of disappears. So if you have a big, bright blue set of headlights or warm headlights, depending on what color you want, I mean, it'll, it'll Stand make out. people, it'll see you. Yeah. I'll put it to you that way. Then they're going to do the double take, and then you get the – this was the thing that got me on the road trip. I'll give you my my number one, not first hour, the entire three days driving down, Yeah, uh, that first bit of ownership, is the people that slow down and they match your speed, and you're just trying to change lanes. <laughs> you're like, okay, come on, take your picture so that I can get over. <laughs> like your turn signal's on, but they're just like, oh, turn signal, what is this? And you're seeing like the, you know, the heads roll. Right. <laughs> Since then – Unlike a lot of people, I actually drive the car the first – up until this pandemic, I was driving the car every other day. So I'd drive one car up to work, drive one back, drive one car up to work, drive one back. So I'd alternate. And then on weekends, I would drive just the DeLorean. And now – and I've been driving the DeLorean. You know, that's that's kind of our number one car that we go out with unless we have to run errands. Nice. So – Oh, that's fun. I'm pretty experienced with it because I do drive it pretty much every day. A couple of years ago, I put more miles on the DeLorean than I did on the Jetta. Now, part of that is I work from home for my normal day job, so I don't go out a lot at all. And in Southern California, it was very easy to forget togethers because it was a lot of ownership. So going to dinner with the D's and tech days and just get togethers, you take the DeLorean. When I went grocery shopping, I would take the Jetta, but it turned out that when I did the mileage at the end of the year, I'm like, wow, I put a lot more miles on the DeLorean than on the Jetta. Simply because uh, I was doing more events. Not because I drove it as a daily driver. It was just more events. Yeah. And you know what's funny is you get used to it and it it becomes as easy to drive as any other normal car. I think a lot of people don't realize that because of the fact that it's a rear-engine vehicle, like the Porsche 911, especially for the stick shift, you don't really roll back as quickly when you're on a hill because you're pushing instead of pulling, uh, turning except for, you know, a complete parking speeds is actually fairly so it's not like most antique cars with the problem of fighting that kind of lack of power steering because you're being pushed you have a little bit more clearance and i actually have i've switched my tires to standard size in the front but 245s in the rear and i've lost a little bit of torque but i've gained more traction Hmm. and it's raised the back end up enough that it actually allows me to have even better turning radius than I've used to have. Interesting. Which has been kind of useful. I started out with, it had 225s in the back, which were too small. And I drove a few cars that were 235s, and then I, which is, you know, what the car's supposed to be. And the 245, I guess, is the time machine size. It's the, the fatter Got it. tire. But it, I find that it actually has better handling hmm. with the larger back tire. And because of that extra inch of clearance, people actually see you a little bit better. Hmm. And it's easier to get in and out of, which is... Many, many things that happen when you change the tire size. <laughs> Other DeLorean owners that I've known for a little bit, I will have them drive my car because, I number one, I want to get feedback of, is there anything different, weird, wrong about my car? Uh, we've all driven rental cars and other people's you know, normal cars. There's not a lot of difference, but the DeLoreans can have a significant changes between two different vehicles. So I like having other owners drive my car to give feedback. One of the things that I ask a lot about is suspension because people will change suspension, but you can't just pop on new suspension, drive it, and then change it back. So, no. you know, you've driven 
two 25s, two 35s, and two 45 tires, that's pretty unique to be able to feel the difference between all three of those tire, rear tire sizes. Yeah, I mean, the two 25s, you're faster, for sure. Like, it, it you get off the line a lot faster. Hmm. I mean, and honestly, a lot of this is perceptual, but I think yeah. because of the way that the grip is happening, I feel like I'm faster. I noticed that unmatched pair now because the 225 made me a match set. I think they were Hancock or Hancock or whatever. Yeah. But uh, most everybody is unmatched, so it doesn't really matter. The only people that care are the owners. No, and what I did was I have the BF Goodrich tires mounted inversely, so the white is not showing on the outside. Yeah. So it's just black walls all the way through. Yep. And that's worked out well. I mean, I've put probably 3,000 miles on this set so far, and it's been pretty good. It's interesting because it definitely changes not only the ride height, but the, uh, cause I have stock suspension in the front. So I have my nose is up. Okay. So, you know, if you're, people are using the aftermarket suspensions that are lower, you may have, your mileage may vary. Yeah. You've had your car just over a year. Well, we'll yes. say a year and a half now. You drive it 50% of the time. So you've had the, the experience of sharing with the public and just enjoying driving the car other than having a massively big left leg. Um, have you had any breakdowns in the last year and a half? The car has never broken down on me ever. Knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> it will happen while, <laughs> while, while driving. Oh, what okay. I have had, I've had, uh, I've had a, up until recently, I've had a consistent coolant leak. The first six months owning the car, it seemed like the coolant would kind of bleed out of it constantly and it was going back to delorean quite a bit and they were constantly tightening and re-pouring it and they couldn't find an issue with it Hmm. and ultimately what i found out was that the issue wasn't the coolant system it was the the brake fluid reservoir was leaking and it was corroding a coolant line wow and the skid plate you know, that covers that yep. was starting the starting the paint was starting to bubble. <laughs> so I had the skid plate repainted, you know, stripped, finished, repainted, right. replaced the reservoir and replaced the, the brake master cylinder while I was there. And, uh, I have not had a single coolant leak until about a week ago when the original cap. Now I have the aftermarket coolant tank expansion, right. yeah. but cap on that went bad. It wasn't holding pressure. Oh, so replacing that with a new cap for eight bucks. I was going to say that's a great that's yeah. a great thing to go yeah. bad. That's that's a that's a cheap DeLorean fix. Yeah. You know, I, at this point, the car has had everything that's possibly failed. I had the idle uh, the idle computer motor go out, the one that controls under a thousand RPM. So, yep. About three months ago, the car decided that uh, it would not have an idle. It would just be at fifteen hundred to two thousand RPMs at all oh, times. Wow. So I sourced a Bosch original from 81 that wasn't a DeLorean one, but it was the right Bosch part. Right. Put that in, and actually now the car, when you start it, revs up to about 1,500 RPMs for about three seconds, then drops down to 900 and holds perfect. And I don't even get that loping DeLorean idle that most of the other owners have. It's just straight even. Like there's so little fluctuation when it hits closed loop that it just sounds beautiful. I would love to... Uh, connect with you after the call to get the part number so you put that on the crossover parts list because uh, that would be I'm sure other people would love to be able to find that. The problem is it's it's an original 80s part. It was no longer available. It cost me about $500 to get it. It's oh, not a crossover part. This it. is like an actual new an original part. Yeah. Original 81 part. 
or 82 maybe. Got it, got it. So okay. it was – because I had the option of getting you know the DeLorean Goins or getting the ones that DMC were selling, but they were not original idle motors. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some other manufacturer's motor that just happens to work, but yeah. this one was actually to the point that it fits in the cradle perfectly. Huh, nice. Okay. You know, there's no mod. So it was, it's interesting. I, I kind of, and at this point, if it fails, I'm going to rebuild that motor. I'm not going to go ahead and get a new one because yeah. the parts are available to actually rebuild that. Cool. That's it. That's all I've had. Drives popping, but never broken down on the road while driving. That's great. So you've replaced the idle motor. You've. Uh, it sounds like you replaced the rear suspension. You've put bigger tires on. You mentioned earlier that you're using GPS in, uh, instead of the uh, angle drive. I'm uh, using a Speedbox uh, GPS module. The Speedbox GPS module. A couple people on the Zolarian technical help. There's a gentleman named Benjamin Coyle in Canada who actually turned me onto it. Cool. Is it actually uses a GPS module and it just has a motor that spins the angle drive cable that goes straight to the speedo. So you go straight from speedometer into this box. Box goes out to a GPS transceiver that you can mount anywhere. Right. And that drives the car. It takes about 10 seconds to acquire the signal and then you've got a working speedometer. How long have you been using that system? Six months. And I've probably put about 2,000 miles on it. 100% happy with it, 99% happy with it. 130% happy with it. I actually have a, a replacement angle drive in a box over here that I'm not going to put in, but I don't think I'll ever go back. I've had, since that original angle drive broke on me on that trip, I've gone through five angle drives. What? Oh, my gosh. I've had five of them break. I've had three replaced under warranty and had to buy a fourth one. Wow. So that's five total when you consider the original. Yeah. And keep in mind, I'm driving the car every day, and, I, and people say, oh, I've gone forever with my original angle drive. I'm not driving over potholes. I'm not doing anything Crazy. to harm the car. Yeah. And the last time it went, it sounded like a gunshot outside the car. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to find a modern alternative, and I went to the GPS speedometer. Wow. Okay, so you had a good reason. You didn't just say, oh, I want to be digital. Yes. Yeah, and I, honestly, I'm not that person who sits there and wants to drive without a working speedometer. I have <laughs> yeah. I have a replica Back to the Future speedometer for gags that uses a GPS. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. But like, I actually, I like the mileage on my car to be appropriate. Same here. I don't ever intend on selling the car. Right. I'm going to keep the car, you know, to hopefully pass down. Right. But I don't want to have a broken speedometer. It's like, this just hits the, that part of me that just feels yeah. false. Yeah, I'm with so, you. When the angle drive breaks, I stop driving the car. I take it home. <laughs> so I maybe I've maybe put seventy miles on the car that are not accounted for. I'm the same way. When I first got my car, it sat for twenty seven years. I drove it for I don't know, I think a week, something like just just a very short amount of time, and then all of a sudden boom, angle drive goes out. I couldn't deal with not having speed and an accurate mileage. So I think same thing. I probably did fifty miles before I replaced it. One of the things that I started noticing on that three-day trip was that there were things in the DeLorean that were obviously of the era of the design, and there were things in the DeLorean that could probably be modified with modern technology in ways that still stayed true to the original design. Right. And as a person who designs things myself quite a bit, I like to do that. I also wanted to make sure that if I was going to make any modifications to the car, it would be 100%. 100% reversible. Right. And I'd actually utilize original mounting points to do my modifications. Yeah. That led me to a new thing that I've been doing, which is I found that there are actually parts for the DeLorean that are no longer available and don't exist anymore 
And I happen to be lucky because I have a November 81. My car has all of the upgrades that were in an 82 car minus the hood. Right. And it has all of the, all of the perfect fitment of like the factory when it was in its best state. So my panel gaps are really, really nice. Awesome. But I find that I have a lot of upgrades that 82s have that 81s don't have. Oh. Case in point being the, uh, the louver cover kind of piece that I just recreated. So I've been slowly finding parts on my car, and a lot of it has been meeting with some of the Orange County guys, Chris and you know Ryan Foster over in the Carolinas, and people sending me things or talking to me about things that don't exist anymore. Even David McKean's HVAC panel. I've already put out for the community a custom recreation of the original HVAC panel, so that if that ever, because that's no longer available. Yeah. So if people need to make a new HVAC panel, they can 3D print that right now. But I've been actually building one that's specific to David's LED board. Yeah. Custom designed around it. Still takes the same sticker, still looks the same externally. Sure. But just mounts nicer. You don't have to shave off, you know, a post <laughs> right. back here. Yeah. Because I actually still have my original HVAC panel and it's in perfect condition, even though I put David's in. Sure. This is how I ran across you online. I, I left Orange County over a year ago now and. I don't know that I ever met you in person, but talk to enough people that are like, oh, Brandon, this, that, and then I see you online. I sincerely, I'm so thankful for you contributing to the community the way you are rather than – I'm an entrepreneur. I love business. I, I'm not driven by money, but I like making things that you can sell or providing a service that you can sell. I, I love that. I'm sincerely thankful for you and people like you who do things for the community because you love the community. You've made a bunch of 3D models. Presumably, it's the same stuff you're installing for your own car, but then you say, here, go download it and print it yourself. And I know that you have – some people have paid for you to print stuff for them if they don't have access, and uh, that's fantastic. So sincerely, deepest thank yous for helping the community the way you are and not just trying to take advantage of people. So thank you. You're welcome. My whole MO, I guess, for doing what I'm doing with the 3D printing parts of the car – is not to make money. I mean, you have how many DeLoreans probably actually driving on the road? Yeah. 400, 500 in the world that are actually used, that are moving. If you look at all the prices that you charge for all these people that are trying to get parts for their car, and you have to make it a very expensive part to get a return on investment on mold sure. making, on yield, and things like that. Yeah. You know, not to mention design time. Like, typically for me to design, it's like 800 an hour. But thankfully, you are an expert. You can do that stuff a thousand times faster than somebody that doesn't have your experience. So it's not as big of a – I'm assuming – I don't know you at all, but yeah, I'm assuming I mean, it's, been, you can do it much faster. Yeah. For visual effects, it's similar to CAD. We just use different software. But for yeah. me, I'm building some things for myself. But my, my recent thing in the past few months has been recreating parts that don't exist anymore that we can't even get if we wanted to. Right. You know, like those louver covers. There's a windshield wiper clip. That goes on the passenger side wiper that I holds just saw the hose. That. Yeah, and I actually just recreated that yesterday. I, and a I'm, couple I'm, days ago, gonna, yeah. Two days ago, yeah. I actually have the file. I got to go take measurements of mine and just double check it before I do a print. But I'm planning on printing that this week. And should my fitment be good, uh, I'm going to give that file out. But my my general conceit is I don't want to sell it because look, let's be honest. In about five to ten years. 3D printing should be as easy for anyone as getting a picture printed at Kinko's. <laughs> right. The technology is getting cheaper. Yep. The costs are getting cheaper. So what that means is if there's a repository of parts for our cars that we have, 
if something breaks down the line, I might not be around as much in 10 years, right? Or I may be right. busier. Things can happen. But then I can download your model and go to Shapeways and right. pay someone else to print it. Correct. And that, that means that you have the ability to replace something on something you love so much that's been damaged. Yeah. And to me, that's part of the value of doing it. Because, I mean, I don't need those louver caps. I have them on my car. But Chris didn't have a set. So he's like, you know, how much do I owe you? I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll print you four. Be my test person. The test person for the model. Yeah. It's the models that are the hard. The, like you said, the printing technology is getting easier as the days go by. It's the model creation, which is more important than anything else, because a bad model can cost a lot more, be done incorrectly. You have the skills and, and you know what you're doing. So that's why I'm saying thank you is, is sharing that knowledge and experience. No worries. I mean, like, and the good thing is I give people the actual original source parts, not some triangulated <laughs> right. mess, yeah. which means you can reverse engineer what I've done. Right. And make it better skills that I have, they can take that and run with it. Yep. So that's why, like, you know, I, for example, I took the, uh, the HVAC panel dials, the rheostat dial, the uh, mode switch, and I made an extended mode switch that's a little bit longer. So people that put in the David McKean HVAC thing, you know, you realize that your mode switch is kind of snug against the panel. Yeah. Because that circuit board of his adds another, like, quarter millimeter of clearance. So. Right. Christian, the other day, reached out to me. He's like, can you make me a set? I'm like, totally. And I just charge people. If I'm printing it, I don't have the time to print a lot of stuff for people. Yeah. So I'll just do kind of like small stuff. And I just charge people literally what my material cost is. And shipping. And sure. shipping. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm not even making money on it. I'm just doing it because, hey, you don't have the printer. If you went to Shapeways, they charge you a 1,000% markup. <laughs> Let me just charge you my cost. Right. So right. like those knobs, those knobs that I'm printing, I'll give them to them for like 40 bucks. Yeah. And, I, and then – He's like, that's great. You know, how do I do it? I'm like, well, I made them snug. You have to file them and sand them because I know every DeLorean's got slightly different <laughs> clearances. Yeah. And clearances. So I make it top tight so you can snug it. So I actually made him a, another set gratis, like for free. So he's got six knobs instead of three. So in case he <laughs> breaks one, he at least has another shot. Right. The backup. Yeah. They're curing right now in my uh, UV, in my UV curing box. Nice. Uh, because they'll, they'll be good. So yeah, I mean, I'm. You know, Ryan sent me, you know, that duct that goes between the center a AC vent and the AC panel, that little rubber kind of grommet that oh, goes yeah. around the center. So he sent me one of those. Okay. Yeah. People hate putting them in. Yep. So he's like, can you reverse engineer that? I'm like, ah, I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to do that, but uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> and I, I know I've talked about that on, on the show before is I understand, you know, back in the day, we were talking 45-year-old technology now, you know, when they were designing and right. coming up with this stuff. It feels like that should be a solid piece except for the last quarter inch, which is rubberized yeah. or something. Because when those things get soft, yeah, I've had to take that off and put them on, you know, two of them multiple times, and it's a pain. If it was just stiff except for the, the actual the seal, then it would be right. a lot easier to put on. So that would be brilliant if you could figure that out. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm currently working on a couple new things. I mean, I've recreated, let's see, what have I recreated? I recreated the HVAC panels. I've done a dual switch for Ryan, which we have to figure out what to do with. I have the chassis made. I can't do the engineering of like the switch itself, but you know, the rocker switches that you use to open and close your windows and turn on and off the defog. Yeah. I've, I've recreated that entire switch blank oh. and I've created a new, a new cap that's two switches in one. So that big wide switch becomes two switches that fit in the oh. same space. Interesting. Okay. And so it's up to someone in the community to figure out which electronics and springs will load that. 
Yeah. But the system's been de- developed, and the files are there for anyone who wants it. Wow, and, Brandon, uh, that's fantastic. Because, you know, people like to add different switches to the car. Yeah. And Ryan actually came up with the idea. I just executed it for him. Well, a lot of people will take the, the dummy switches and they turn them into USB chargers, which is fine. Right. Um, I took, when I realized I had run with the the rear defroster on for a year, uh, I was like, crud, I didn't realize I had left it on all the time. Somebody's like, Dave, just yeah. unplug it. So I unplugged it. And then when I had Dimitri in Paris Bluetooth my original radio, my ASI radio, you have to have a, you have a switch that switches between Bluetooth and regular AM FM radio. So I ran that wire right. up and, and I, I ended up getting another defroster switch because I didn't want to destroy my original. And I cut the guts out of it and then I got a regular toggle switch, hot glued it inside of that. So now my defroster switch flips between AM FM radio and Bluetooth. Um, oh, but it nice. would be so much better to have an actual switch, not a, you know, a terrible gorilla glue, hot glue mess inside <laughs> of that. You can't tell, and it's probably going to hold for years. But it'd be nice to have something that was better designed. So that's pretty cool. The thing that I have up there, there's there's two files there. One is the dual switch, which someone has to figure out what the springs and what the switches would be. Yeah. And one is actually a recreation of the original switch chassis. Right. So if the switch is somehow, I mean, you can buy the full switch from DeLorean Go. For like I think it's like forty bucks a switch or whatever their yeah. price is, or seventy bucks for two. This just gives you the blank. Yeah, yeah. So but you've got the plastics and the guts. Uh, when I the the switch that I bought was uh, an old switch, and I knew I was going to destroy it because I needed to put my own in there. But holy cow, those things! You need tweezers to put those back together. And again, it's because it's forty yeah. year old technology. Where now you can go to you know well, I'd say Radio Shack, but you know electronic stores and get different different pull switches and stuff that should fit in there. But having that blank is the key. You, like you said, you share those models. Right. So somebody could do a little bit of, of tweaks to that model to build a, a mount that works for an existing off-the-shelf switch. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's and there's a good volume there to do things. It's, it's nice. And I've also created a dash extension, which is I'm holding it on with silicone that goes right above the existing right above the center vents if you look there's there's photos in my car that show it but it's essentially a cubby hole that's in the exact same style as the binnacle hmm. and it matches and mates into it i actually showed it to barry and he actually told me that that would have been something they would have designed it's like your design aesthetic there is dead on to what we would have done which was really sweet to hear if you're listening to this, go to DeLoreanTalk.com and find Brandon's episode, and we'll put those photos right on the episode page and link to your website. Well, yeah, just it's just a Dropbox link. You know, people ask me why don't I put it on Thingiverse, and I just have issues with uh, yeah. the way they do their licensing. Yep. Even though they're Creative Commons and the things like that, if by putting it up on just this Dropbox repository, you can copy it and do whatever you want. Right, right. And yeah. it, it it keeps it safe from anyone ever coming back and saying, "Well, this was on Thingiverse. And now right. Thingiverse has changed their policies, and we own it." Right, exactly. And we have to charge you for the file. So then the free file is something you have to pay for. Again, there's you know five thousand DeLoreans left in the world, so it doesn't need to be on Thingiverse. People in the community will find it through the social, you know, the social boards and social networks and. Dropbox works fine. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of the conceit there. And then what I've also done is I've actually recreated the binnacle. I haven't shown anyone that yet because I don't have a big enough printer to test print it. I don't like to put files up that I haven't printed myself to make right. sure. Yeah, that you know what's going to work. 
I have a binnacle plug recreated, which means if you if you had the foam and the vinyl, you could actually build your own binnacle. Seven, eight years ago, I struggled between buying a 3D printer, which they were basically brand new eight years ago, or a laser cutter. And I had played with a couple of different 3D printers eight years ago, a couple of friends that had them, and they were it was such a pain in the butt. I said, the technology is too new, stuff is changing every other week. So I ended up buying a, a, a big 12 by 20 laser cutter. And oh, cool. Did, did you get a Versa laser? Uh, no, I it was a full spectrum laser. And I, but I oh, did nice. I did great. tons and tons and tons of stuff with it, and I loved it. But long story short, at that time, it was just too early for me to invest the time and, and money in the 3D printing. Now, like you said, it's getting cheaper. So even eight years ago, I was like – or I'm sorry, five years ago when I first got my car, I was like, somebody needs to 3D print the binnacle – and then you take it to an upholster and have the thing recovered. So you have now you're working on that model right now. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean it, it would be the shell. There's certain things that like I would need a thing to kind of validate it, if you will, which is the terminology I would use in this. Which is I would need a binnacle that has been destroyed. That's only the plastic shell, right? Yeah, that the foam and vinyls attached to, just to confirm that my measurements are accurate. Otherwise, like I could give people the file I've got right now and say, okay, look, you can print it. But it might be slightly thicker, it might be slightly thinner. You're gonna to have to figure out how to get the hole mounting points and all that. But the shell's designed. So let's put this out there right now. Anybody listening, if you have an old, damaged, broken uh, binnacle that you're willing to just donate and give to Brandon, or just mail it to me. Right, mail it to Brand. But you know, connect through the website to track him down or find him on social media and get an address that you can send it to. Because obviously, again, you're doing this for the community. If somebody's got an old one that they don't need anymore, it's broken, it's not usable, whatever, um, I, somebody out there will give you one, I'm sure. Well, I mean, and then I'll mail it back when I'm done. I only need it for probably a grand total of 45 minutes just to check <laughs> measurements. Sure. So it's it's really – that's what's so funny. Like I have – like the part that Ryan sent me, the AC vent duct, once I solve the problem, I'm going to mail it back to him. Sure. Uh, I'm sure. not going to keep any of this stuff because I don't really need it. I mean – no. Once it works and your the design is solid, then yeah, you don't actually need the original anymore. So here's a story for you. The very first thing I designed for the DeLorean was a cup holder extension system. Saw that. That nobody has really seen. It's not the files haven't been put up yet. If you look at the DeLorean Go cup holder that came out that uses the uh, coin tray mounts, yep. right? They actually stumbled on the same solution that I did, but I did my design two months after owning the car. And the difference with my system is it's actually modular. You can swap different attachments in and out of it yeah. to do two cups, a single cup, sunglasses holder, holder, phone holder, yep. and it all it all fits entirely in the. It goes all the way up to the firewall of the car, so it's actually skinned in the same vinyl. Instead of being like a coin holder or coin or cup holder attachment just sitting on the back, it actually follows the contour of the uh, center console and flows into the back deck. And ends right at the carpet where the netting would be. Yeah. So it's this really beautiful thing, and it mounts in the same two screws. Because I've seen the solutions where people use the ashtray portion for a cup holder. Right. And like driving stick, my hand would hit it too much. Same here. And yeah. It's too small of a tray to really hold snugly. Yeah. So honestly, I kind of feel like I'm probably just going to put the files up and say screw it. Uh, it's a big print for me because I have to print. It takes about 60 hours to print it. Yeah. Just because of the scale of the part. I have to basically bondo it together from four pieces because it's bigger than the print bay of my printer. <laughs> right, right. If you were to go to Shapeways and print the solid slug, it would cost you about $3,000. <laughs> uh, 
So for me, it cost me about 200 bucks to print it in resin. Yeah. So it's, it's just not economical to make many of it, but I've sure. had it wrapped in vinyl now for a year and two months and it's still really solid and I quite love it. And I, I'm That's pretty sure like, I saw those pictures a while back and it looks amazing. I think I put the pictures up and I, I think I took them down for a bit. So I think I'm going to do that. Hence awesome. why we're talking about it now. Yeah. So maybe this is the big push. I also <laughs> yeah. recreated the, the uh, I recreated a mini version of the DeLorean uh, motor car sign that I put up as well that I 3D printed and, you know, laser cut some stainless steel vinyl and put LEDs in it. Nice. And that I put up the other day. So I have like a little baby dealer sign sitting on my desk. It's about <laughs> seven inches by two inches. And I don't think I can sell that or put those files up because no, no. I think Danny and everybody owns the logo. Yeah, but. <laughs> well, if it was yeah, if it was me, I would do it. Um, the funny thing is, I again going back to that laser cutter I bought, I did all kinds of stuff with it, and I loved it, and I learned a lot. But then I st- I was working full time, and then I started a business, and it turned out that I did not turn that laser on for literally a year. Oh, it died on you? Uh, it, no, no, it, oh no, I it worked fine. It was just that I didn't. It I wasn't. I wasn't using it. And then I moved, and it's a big piece of equipment along with the water pump and everything else that I ended up selling it because I, I was so consumed with the new business. I was like, you know, right. if I have the time, I'll go buy another one. But I had literally started – I bought the DeLorean a month before I launched my business and yeah. and liter- and had not used a laser, the laser cutter at all. Very frequently, a couple – probably a dozen times a year in the last several years, it breaks my heart that I don't have that laser anymore because there's so many <laughs> things I could do with it for the DeLorean community oh, yeah. and, and I don't have it anymore. So that's awesome that you are still, you know, you're using your tools and experience and doing stuff for the community. One of these years, I'm sure that I will buy another laser cutter and probably by then buy a 3d printer to do stuff. So if you're at that point, I would recommend getting a resin printer. I convinced oh, yeah. the king to get a resin printer. He has the same one I have, the Form 3. Because nice. the, the plastic printers, they're kind of like hot glue guns. They tend it, to break apart over time. And that was why, like I said, eight years ago, they were just – that's all they were. They were hot glue guns with a computer control unit. And I had terrible times with them. So, no, I, I love the resin ones as I've looked at them. But anyway, let's go back to the DeLorean. Thank you again for everything you're doing for the community and for sharing – Everybody, again, go look at the web at DeLorean Talk, find this episode, and they'll, we'll have links and other information to, to find more of Brandon's stuff. You mentioned your wife earlier. It sounds like she enjoys the car, but she doesn't. you said she doesn't enjoy the attention. It's been a year and a half. Does she still enjoy going out with you in the car? Does she like the car, or is this, a again, your hobby thing and she just doesn't care about it? It's interesting. She really enjoys riding in the car. She says the passenger seat is probably the most comfortable passenger seat she's ever been in. And she quite enjoys it. Like we do long road trips. We'll take like trips to Lake Arrowhead from here on weekends or, you know, we normally we'll go to San Diego. So we normally will put like 400 miles in the car, 200 miles in the car, depending on where we're going. And she's now grown to tolerate the, uh, the attention, the attention for the car, (laughs) but she's not, she's still not quite happy with it. Yeah. It's okay when it's people driving on the side of the road. It's the people at the gas station that rush up and the, just because it's like an invasion of personal space. <laughs> but yeah, it, she's, she's grown to love it. She's, she loves it because I love it too, I think, is part of it. Yeah. You know, at this point, again, we've put 7,000 plus miles in the car in a year and a half. In a year and a half. I took it to Joshua Tree in the middle of the summer and didn't overheat. You know. Hey, being able to share with your significant other – 
something that you're so passionate about, I think is important. And, and a car, well, back to the future, right? The original, we all, most people know it was going to be a refrigerator and thankfully it turned it into a car because of transportation. But being able to share it with somebody else, I think is, is fantastic. So congrats yeah. on that, that you have a, a spouse that enjoys it. <laughs> She's the best part of it. She's the one that let me get it. So <laughs> exactly. I, had, I, had to, I had to ask, Hey, okay. So the first car ended up being a fluke, but, um, <laughs> Right, right. Can we try for this one? She's like, if it's real, let's give it a go. It's a thing. I think anyone who's a DeLorean owner knows that you're kind of making an investment and a commitment when you get these cars because they're going to break down as you replace things. They get more and more reliable, and they yep. want to be driven. And I think there's two different types of DeLorean owners that I've met, the ones that buy them and kind of park on them, yep. the ones that drive them on weekends and use them as a family thing or turn them into time machines and rent them out and take them to events. Right. And then there's the third one which I think is a, the rarer club of the people like, like I who drive them all the time is actual the car they want to drive. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting to see the differences in experiences that people have because the museum piece ones, they just look gorgeous, but they're rotting inside to some degree. The weekend and the rental ones, you know, see more people, I think. And it's more fun because people engage with the rental, you know, you yeah. go to events with them. And, yeah. and then the daily driving one, it's like I actually have the experience driving the car as a vehicle. And learning like the particulars of my particular DeLorean and how it behaves and misbehaves and what it tends to prefer. And it's interesting because I've, I've noticed, and this is probably something you brought up before, but every DeLorean has its own personality. Yeah. They all are completely different cars that happen to look a little similar on the outside. <laughs> hey, I, I very yeah. purposely drove my car for a full year without turning the radio on or having any audio. I wanted to know what that car was supposed to sound like when it was running, quote-unquote, perfectly. Once I knew the sounds and the feels of the car, now I can run with the radio, and when something weird happens, I can turn the turn off the radio and go, okay, that sound is, is wrong, that's different, something's going on. Yeah. In fact, I had that, geez, I'm going to say eight months ago, all of a sudden, when I would speed up, I would hear this noise, and I'm like, what's that? And I, of course, I turn off the radio, and I, it was consistent. I went back and looked in the engine bay, and I didn't notice anything. Couldn't couldn't see anything, and it lasted. It it probably did this well every time I drove for a couple of months. Finally, again, Chris Miles, the DeLorean whisperer, I said something <laughs> to him, and he goes, "Oh, go look at this." And I I go back and I look, and sure enough, he nailed it without over the phone without seeing it. The bracket that holds the muffler, uh, the top right corner of the muffler, if you're standing at the back of the car, that bracket that holds right. it to the engine uh, had broken, and it had flipped over, and it was it was literally a millimeter, touching by one millimeter, the alternator fans. <laughs> so when I would speed uh, up and the alternator is turning, it would brrr, it would rub against that piece of broken metal just enough. It wasn't stopping the alternator from turning. It wasn't far enough away that it didn't make any contact at all. It was just enough that it made this weird noise. And sure enough, it was the, that broken muffler well, bracket. That's I need to, I'm going to need to talk to him again, man, because I've got one thing in my car that is unique to it that no other DeLorean seems to have. And even, uh, Danny and the guys in California can't tell me what it is. But if I make a sharp right turn, I hear a dunk noise coming from the back of the car. And I've, I've got new motor mounts. I've got new shocks. I've got new struts. I've got a new muffler. I've got new, um, you know, fuel lines. I don't know what it is. It's just like a thunk <laughs> noise. That sounds familiar. Like, I swear I've seen somebody mention that on DMC Talk or the technical board somewhere. I swear somebody has talked about that. 
So maybe you haven't run across it's, it yet, but maybe someone out there listening to this will go, oh, I know exactly what that is, and they'll track you down. And tell me what the anti-thunk situation is. <laughs> uh, but it's fine. I mean, it's not like something breaking. And it, you have to, like, really turn it. And it's not uh, – I also checked to see if it was, like, tire rod. It's none of that either. Interesting. Fun. It's weird. It, it's not like a braking sound. It's just like it feels like something shifted. <laughs> yeah. Well, a motor mounts, right? I mean, if you have a if you have right. old motor mounts, but they're new. Yeah, if they're new, That's if they're new, funny. that shouldn't be it. Crazy. Yeah, it's weird. I actually replaced the motor mounts when I uh, got the car. Like, so it's you know, I think I think it's funny. You know, if you want to talk about the ownership bids, I purchased the car for thirty five, and I've put about sixteen thousand into it in actual like replacing. Yep older parts and some of it was preventative some of it was like okay fuel lines yeah i drove 1800 miles on original fuel lines probably sure. smart to replace those yeah yeah engine fires right things of that sort but uh one of the new things i've been thinking about and this is like a long-term project and i don't know if i can legally do it but i'd love to find a way to create auto aiming headlights for the car that are led that <laughs> fit tucker. the same buckets <laughs> well yeah, so when you turn it actually aims ahead Right. Just like modern cars do. Yeah. Well, that was the, I've, I've narrowed down. The Tucker did that, right? Tucker. That was the first car. Yeah. The center light would turn based on where the steering wheel was. How fun. Right. And it's one of those things where it's like, that's a bigger engineering project. So down the line, it will. I mean, the other pro- there's other plans. At some point, I think maybe in the next few years, I'm going to take the entire car into a full 3D scanning booth, <laughs> nice. burn a favor. Yep. I'm actually going to scan the entire exterior of my car. And then from there, extrapolate the actual contours of every single panel. Yeah. So that I can create positives of all the panels. Oh, boy. You know, like the front left fender. Uh, I was actually going to recreate the back left taillight, but then I've heard that that might actually be happening in an official capacity. So I stopped. I would still rather you do it because I've been wanting to do that myself. Before I bought my DeLorean, I looked at buying a, a one of the left or rear taillights. At that time, I didn't know that they were rare. Because what I wanted to do was literally just put LEDs inside of it and then put it on the bookshelf as a bookends or just as a cool display piece. So for years, I've wanted to recreate a smaller version of the taillight that would have LED lights in it and just be able to sit on a desk. Whether it was battery-powered plug-in doesn't matter. I think there's enough people would say, that's cool. And if you did two of them and did it as bookends and they were battery-powered LEDs, how cool is that? Well, I mean, maybe for that purpose, we should do that then. I can definitely, if I don't oh. have to worry about the fitments, I can build one of those in probably a weekend. Yeah, well. Except to figure out the lenses. That's the problem. Because I can print the lenses out of clear resin, but, well, you know, you got to have to tint them. But the thing is, again, it's not, even for the car, I've been looking at that as well. You can buy the paint. Um, you can pour molds now, you know, that have the correct colors and all that stuff. Anyway... Yeah, and the fact that you can take your your own taillight off the car so easily, you have your part right there. You can model it. That'd be very oh, yeah. cool no, if you sure. did that. I may do one that's not like to go on the car. It's funny because like the most recent headlight mod or taillight mod I did was that uh, Drayron sequential. I put that in the other day. Oh, is that you? I saw it online, but I didn't dig into it. I've been really busy the last couple months. Wow, they're they're pretty cool. Nice, they're pretty neat. Uh, several I, people I, have I been working of... on that for years. And to see oh, yeah. to see that, and yeah, that's great. It's that's a sign of someone doing. I mean, look, they're pricey, but it's a father and son job, and they're doing such a low yield. I mean, it's kind of like I wanted to support them, so I picked yeah. up a set, put them in my car, and they're they're awesome. Very cool. I, I'm never going to use the parade mode, but I'll <laughs> use. The, I like the sequential thing. 
it's funny because some owners are like, well, keep it original. And I'm like, you know what I like? When I hit the brakes, all three red lights light up. <laughs> I know. Forget that's... the sequential part. All three red lights light up, which means someone's going to see me <laughs> when I brake suddenly. I'm the same. I've said many times, I don't want to change the look of the car. If a normal person who doesn't isn't an owner can't tell that it's been changed, I'm fine making a change. Fuel lines, it's a safety thing, but nobody sees that anyway. Uh, brake lights, right. things like that. The LED headlights, no one else knows because uh, it looks like it, it looks right. original. I added a third brake light that goes – it's kind of like the Tesla brake light. That's the full width of the car. Yeah. And I still have not gotten around to writing the article. I will put the article up on DeLoreanDirectory.com, and it is extremely inexpensive and easy to put in, and it looks great. I mean you barely can notice it on the car, and it lights up the whole width of the car at the top louver. Well, it's funny because speaking of that specific thing, one of your uh, former Orange County DeLorean group people have asked me if I can find a way to design a custom mount for a third brake light that actually blends into the louver yeah. more factory. Yeah. And so I've been debating that. There's all these – it's funny. There's all these like things that I want to get to. I'm just going to hit them a piece at a time. So if I get that going, maybe we'll get measurements off your light and build it around that. I bought the LED strip from Super Bright LED. I think they're $12 each or something like that, $8 each. And they look fantastic, black backing. One of these days I'll yeah. get that article written. I've been meaning to do that for a couple of years, and I just haven't gotten around to it. So, No worries. Yeah, I mean I might make a housing for it. So, Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, a couple more questions before I let you go. All righty. Your longest trip, I assume, is the Seattle to L.A. trip? The longest I've done past that is about 800 miles, 900 miles, whatever it is from L.A. to Joshua Tree and back again. I think it's the longest one I've done since then. Cool. may and not you, be 800 miles. You're a year-and-a-half-old owner. Have you been to any of the DCS events in the past? Again, like I said earlier, there's not a there's a, a couple owners in Los Angeles, but there's not really like an owner's group. Yeah. And the only event that I took the car to was actually – framing john delorean premiere at the peterson and that's where i met the majority of the southern california and a couple like transient owners right who came in and that was kind of my very first exposure to anyone in the delorean community nice which was very interesting there's a lot of interesting characters that are <laughs> yeah. quite fun at the peterson when they did the a car unveiling five years ago now four years ago I think there were 28, 26, 28 DeLoreans that showed up uh, for that day, for the car show day. And I was a brand new owner, and I was I was so overwhelmed. I didn't even think to go collect email addresses and get to know everybody, but even the people that had, that had been owners for years didn't know half of the people that were there. So yeah. I wish that there, that there was another event like that, uh, the Peterson doing something with the A car, pulling it outside, something, because that was a great event. A lot of people showed up. Yeah. Cool. So you haven't been to a DCS yet, so that's definitely something to look look forward to because it is so many people from around the country, around the world that show up to that. So hopefully they keep doing it. Do you have a custom license plate? I do. It's 81, the letter N, in time, 81 in time. So most people misread it as 8 in time because the 1 and the I, and the I look the same. Oh, evidently. in time. I mean, the good thing is that the car has every single one of David McKean's relays in it. Nice. I have his uh, electronic Otterstat wired in sequence to the main Otterstat. So if oh. my main Otterstat fails, it, it works as a rollover. Interesting. So his Otterstat actually isn't doing anything. But, but if it's the main a backup. Fails, yeah. It's huh. a backup. Interesting. And then 
my entire car is LED minus the light for the uh, binnacle and the battery. Same here. Yep. 100% of my lights are LED. Yep. So everything runs cool and clean. And in the back behind my driver's side seat, I have a custom secondary battery system wired into the uh, the driver's side, um, what do you call the it? compartment? Storage luggage yeah. compartment. Yeah. Uh, that if if my main battery fails, I can actually switch over to it. Oh. But I use I use it to run accessories, and it gets charged by the alternator as well. Interesting. If you were to write an article on that, I bet people would be interested in that for sure. <laughs> I'd have to figure out the time to do it, but it's 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 interesting. It's a failover system. And then I also have uh, on the back deck put all the fuses in as gold plated fuses, so there's no corrosion problems. Yeah. I've converted the car to have multiple accessory 12-volt DC barrels in a non-touching-the-original-wiring situation. So what that means is off that secondary battery system, I can tap in devices. So I've got a a pure sine wave power inverter that runs my cell phone chargers inside the car. I don't use a cigarette lighter, Hmm. USB cup, because that that creates unclean energy. It can actually damage the extended life of your phone battery and electronics. So I have a full car... I have a full 110 volt wall outlet plug that I can plug anything in. I need to charge a camera if I'm going out taking photos. If I want to charge a laptop. Uh, I have that wired in through a pure sine wave inverter to run USB to charge both Android and iPhones with a custom 3D printed attachment that I use that holds in where the uh, where the ashtray would be. Yeah, I can swap. It's modular, so I can swap the original one in. I can swap. I've got six different ashtray modifications. Wow. I put slug up on the file so people can make their own. Right. What I did is because I've created a secondary fuse box and it runs on its own power and it's not connected except as a failover to the main battery on the car. And it's also in a watertight, acid tight container. So if the battery ever leaks, it won't damage the car. Wow. It's on troughs, things like that. Basically, I'm not looking to create an electrical fire and I'm not looking to burn right. my car down. So yeah. everything is high gauge, well shielded. And then I use a DC 12 volt barrel system, similar to like the uh, the female in that you would plug any DC accessory into. Right. And all of that is what I wire accessories into. So at any given time, I've actually got a voltage meter that I can tap directly into the main battery and get a direct reading off the battery digitally of what my voltage of the battery is. I can run like a flux capacitor or time circuits if I want it off of it. Wow. Um, pure sine wave inverter is great because I'm getting clean energy for all yeah. these accessories. Yeah. So I'm not getting, you know, any yep. pulses in it. So there's no like light flicker or any of that sure, kind of sure. sense. That is amazing. Yeah. So it's hidden. You'll never know it's there. Even yeah. an original DeLorean owner, it's all wired through the carpet and insulated fireproof uh, sheaths. It's all held on in a way where I'm not drilling or tapping into the fiberglass barrel. So the whole car is wired up with a clean filtered energy system that works as a failover, which I'll hopefully never have to use. So that's my back deck. I researched so many different DeLoreans over so many years, and I read a lot of articles on a lot of the different forums. And it's interesting because electrical, I can handle stuff. Mechanical, I have to go to people who are (laughs) far better car mechanics than I. Yeah. Exterior design, like the plugs, the slugs I can do. I, I basically knew that I was going to use that compartment because no one really I've ever seen uses it to store anything. We're all just too lazy to pull the seat up, unlock right. it. <laughs> so I'm like, it's an empty space. I don't want to risk mice or anything getting in there, which doesn't really happen in California. Which, by the way, incidentally, if you do live in a place that you could have potential rodent infestation or bug infestation, if you take peppermint oil and you spray it around your tires, it deters insects and mice from going into your car. 
it's a peppermint oil extract. It's actually, it, it's a deterrent, a natural deterrent. But anyway, so yeah, so I, I keep the clean energy system for just running my accessories. I also put on, um, you know, the video of the rear view camera that goes over the, uh, the rear view uh, mirror. Uh-huh. I put that in my car. I love it. It's great. Nice. I don't have to look through louvers anymore. And it's uh, <laughs> because I have a secondary battery system running, it also allows me to run it as an impact sensor. So it pulls draw off that battery. So if, for example, someone bumps the car or there's a lot of motion around the car, the camera system wakes up and records them. Wow. So it's kind of like a tech. So I can actually see if someone came and, like, touched the car, bumped the car. Or hit or, the car, yeah. You know, or hit the car, yeah. And it's front and rear cameras that hit. Wow. So it'll it'll turn on both cameras and record both if something happens, which I saw as an optional accessory for that. But I'm like, hey, I drive the car a lot. Everybody's been really respectful, but it just takes that one time. Oh, you know? yeah. There's enough stories out there of people that have not been respectful. Pretty sad. There was uh, one of the Southern California owners, she was at an event and – uh, apparently a large woman decided she was going to do a hood slide and did, she wasn't friends. It's just a random person just went and jumped on her hood and caved in the whole hood. It's just a random person at a car event. So it happens. Yeah. Kind of, that's kind of it. I mean, like minus that, I haven't, those are my modifications. Very cool. They're all reversible. The guy that did own the car for eight months who I got it from, did decide that he was going to put LED bars under the wheel wells and in the hood. Interior lighting or not inside the cockpit? And then they also he also put running lights on the underside of the chassis that he zip-tied. Okay. Sure. And so I, as soon as I saw those, when I first picked the car up in Seattle, I had wire clippers with me, and I clipped those <laughs> with a wire and pulled those out because I was driving with, like, blue underlighting. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not getting pulled over for some stupid-ass modification. California, it's illegal to have ground effects for 25 years, as far as I know, while you're driving. It's definitely not allowed. And it was all worrying on this really, this hot wired power brick in the fuse box. <laughs> Sounds like and something I would do. So that's <laughs> <laughs> the first moment that I found out where that was. First, I had to figure out where, how to get to the fuse box, which was, it's, it took a second. Yeah. Uh, I researched it, but I'm like, I didn't realize how hard that plywood was to get out at right Yeah. But then I snipped it right at the source, pulled it right off the thing, <laughs> basically popped the fuse because it was running on the radio fuse and rerouted the radio fuse back into its original spot. Spent like the first month of owning the car uh, reverse engineering and taking out all that stuff. Thank God it was all held on with zip ties and nothing was drilled into the car. Right, right. Well, you're the right guy, it sounds like, to be able to figure that stuff out, tweak it, fix it, make it better. Very cool. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. The last question I ask a lot of people Again, you're a somewhat new owner. What is in the trunk of your DeLorean right now? What's normally in the trunk when you drive it day to day? Uh, I have a uh, a stainless steel bottle that holds an entire um, half tank worth of coolant. I've got a entire quart of engine oil. I have a bag that contains stainless steel wipes by Wyman. I've got a glass cleaner. I've got wire. I've got extra fuses. I have a car duster. I have the uh, essentially front windshield kind of like shade as it go on the inside because I like having it cover the entire thing. Right. I also have the only Back to the Future thing that I have in the car is uh, I have the recreation of the Back to the Future 2 and the original out-of-time license plates that I just keep for gags. Yep. And then past that, I leave the – and this is all custom Velcro tied down and secured so it doesn't settle. 
And then the entire driver's side half of the trunk is open for storage because, again, I use it for groceries. We do a lot of trips with it. So, you know, it's actually a functioning car. I don't load it up with just memorabilia. Right, But mostly right. it's maintenance things. It's, it's preventative things. Okay. I also have a jump starter. Got it. And I have uh, a couple other different just overall maintenance bits, mostly just things in case something happens. And then nice. I have like the original uh, bag in the front of the hood that you carries all oh, like, the toolkit. Yeah. Jack, the jack and the toolkit and all that. Right. Brandon, fantastic. And I'm looking forward to one of these days seeing your car in person and uh, meeting you because it sounds like you've got some amazing upgrades. I appreciate you being on the show and sharing, again, sharing all of your 3D models and your experience with people in the community. I, that's fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Uh, thanks again for uh, the invite. Yeah. You know, it's just fun. All right. Well, to everybody out there, always thank you for listening. You can send messages to comments at DeLoreanTalk.com. Be sure to go look for your VIN number on the DeLorean Census at DeLoreanDirectory.com slash census. There's articles up there. If you have an article that you'd like to write and submit, send over an email and we'll uh, see if it'll fit in on the site. Spread the word, drive safe, and have fun when you're out there. 